0: Koenig. On December 25th, 1999, a small boy awoke in Baltimore, Maryland. He went down to his living room and found a Nerf N-Strike Mega Magnus Blaster. It's a mouthful, I know. That's the toy he wanted. The toy had no tag, no receipt. It was as if it appeared out of thin air. The boy maintained the toy had been brought by magic, by a mysterious man named Chris.
1: <laughs> Will i put
0: you
2: and welcome to, to Earbuds and Earworms. I'm Amy, feels time. instantly guilty no matter what, Shepard, and this is...
1: Mitchell Manley, don't do the crime if you can't do the time.
2: I <laughs> was questioning about that. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I had another one a long time ago, earlier today. I was like, ooh, here's the one I'm going to use, and then I forgot to... Uh, write it down so it's gone and so i had to go in the moment <laughs>
2: it's like the I, I came up with a theme this week but i was like half dreaming and i didn't write it down so i was like oh this would be a great theme and then i didn't write it down so you came to save the day for oh, our it was there's huh? gonna
1: be something about malicious mischief i remember reading one of those just busted papers uh, uh-huh. where the charges were malicious mischief And I saw another one that was use of fighting words. And I wonder like (laughs) what use of fighting words is in like the legal sense. I just appreciated that. Mitchell Manley, master of malicious mischief.
2: There you go. We finally got there, right? Sure. (laughs) Well, um, so this is, uh, I don't know how we got here. Like past me forgetting what the theme was going to be that I had (laughs) in a dream. Um, what, (laughs) how did we come to this theme?
1: So yeah, Jenny suggested this one, uh, you know, she and I were talking about the the recent true crime documentary on HBO, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which is based around uh, Michelle McNamara's work, Catching the Golden State Killer. Wait, and, that's
2: a Patton Oswalt's... Um, correct.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah, and so that, that just uh, wrapped up on HBO. It's a really interesting, uh, amazing documentary about the Golden State Killer and also about Michelle McNamara herself, so... Uh, oh. we, we had been talking about that. And so she's like, you should do a crime episode or a true crime episode. I was like, yeah, either one, let's, let's make it happen.
2: And it's not specifically cause this is 201.
1: Right. It has nothing to do with that. That was <laughs> purely coincidental.
2: Okay. I just had to put that out there that we are not, we are not at all making fun of like the local jail number or address. Right. Just yeah. saying. Um, so yeah. And of course I think true crime has been popular. Uh, I think serial really blew it up podcast wise. So I was like, oh, that actually makes sense. We're a podcast. We should definitely do a true crime podcast. You know?
1: Yeah, I'm super into into those podcasts, even though they get a little gruesome and crazy sometimes. But uh, they're very interesting, you know. I, 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 I like can't deny one, it. Uh, it. It taps into something primal about being a human being. Like, oh, wow. People are deranged.
2: I like the one that ends with them talking about a puppy each week. Sure. Yeah. That's the one I No, the puppy's fine. I just want to point out, it's like they talk about a cute puppy at the end of their murder. Um, oh, is that um,
1: my favorite murder?
2: It's Crime Junkie.
1: Oh, Crime Junkie. Mm-hmm. They I have, have a cute puppy
2: a cute puppy story at the end of each one. Um, Mitchell, what did you bring this week?
1: I'm going to start us off with a band called The World is a Beautiful Place and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die. And their song, January 10th, 2014. He's the band So, of course, I have to begin by acknowledging the ridiculous band name. Uh, Some listeners may remember we had an episode like two years ago with like bands and song titles with long, pretentious names. And of course, this band will always be at the top of that list for me right alongside. And you will know us by the Trail of Dead. (laughs) Just silly, stupid, long names. But The World is a Beautiful Place is actually one of my favorite of the newer like indie emo bands, Uh, especially this album, which was called Harmlessness. Uh, They have like eight members or something. They've got like strings and horns and synths and extra guitars and tons of vocal harmonies. So it's just a really exciting and and dynamic band for me. Uh, This song in particular references some events that happened in Juarez, Mexico around like 2012 or 2013, uh, where these two bus drivers had been murdered by a female vigilante who called herself Diana, the Hunter of Drivers. And uh, some folks may know that Diana was like the Roman goddess of, of hunting, so kind of makes sense why she would choose that name. But the story is that apparently in like the late 90s, early 2000s, over 100 women disappeared along these like certain bus routes that were going to and from these factories in Juarez. And a lot of these women were later found dead. They had been like sexually assaulted, strangled, dumped in these remote areas and Police weren't really doing much to figure out what was going on. So in 2013, after like 15 or 20 years of women, women disappearing and like being abused and shit, this woman calling herself Diana, a hundred of drivers just walked onto one of the buses, shot the driver in the head and just disappeared and then did the exact same thing again the next day and she like sent an email to all the local media that essentially said that she and many others had been victims of sexual abuse at the hands of these drivers and all on these like particular routes and so she was taking it upon herself to be an instrument of vengeance for all these women and so like in the spirit of crimes that you wish you could commit uh, you know the wish that you could commit this song and the music video are just this beautiful representation of that idea of like taking vengeance on abusers and predators and like having someone brave enough and strong enough to, to face them down and like make them terrified of that very same evil that they visit upon others it's just like very empowering and they touch on that in different ways and reference the original story a bunch in the song
2: Huh. Well, I mean, like, she, I think, like, the, you know, they're like, uh, my name is Diana or something. And I was like, ah, oh, so that's the, I wouldn't have known the story if you hadn't have done, like, all the research. Um, sure. I did notice the Diana, the Hunter references, because I was like, well, yeah, of course, this is, like, somehow referencing Diana from uh, Roman mythology. I did not know about, like, all these bus murders. Um, but, you know, luckily, you totally helped me out uh this song is a an epic journey if the if i can say so myself it's very sweeping there are a lot of like transitions stylistically and thematically and i think diana chose her name because i'm pretty sure that she was one of the goddesses that women would like call to for revenge and like Mm -hmm. justice so i was like oh this makes sense you know i mean yeah i revenge isn't my bag but like of course, I have not been assaulted on my way to work in a factory and been murdered and stuff. So I can completely understand this woman's, like, you know, rage, especially, you know, how how many women? Like, over 100 women uh, the, just disappearing or being murdered along the yeah, way? is exactly. It's, it's, like, appalling, especially when the government does absolutely nothing about it. So, yeah, I mean... I can I can understand getting a little violent about that. It makes sense. So, I I just like the idea that there was this woman. I mean, did she ever get caught?
1: As far as I know, I don't believe so, but I'll have to follow up on the details. Um I I looked it up earlier and and to get some of the the details of the story, you know, that were actually referenced in the song, but um yeah, I'd have to look that up. I I I kind of hope they never found her to be honest.
2: Yeah, kind of like a like In mythology, like there's not much evidence of her, but yeah, Yeah, I I would want these drivers to have fear put in them that they are not the ones with all the power. Right. So, you know, I would like there to be a Diana Hunter of drivers if it keeps men from assaulting women and killing them. I just think that's good. Um... This week I brought Nick Drake and the Bad Seeds, The Curse of Millhaven."
0: You yeah, must have heard about The Curse of Millhaven. How last Christmas Bill Blakey's little boy didn't come home. They found him the next week up in One Mile Creek. With his head bashed in and his pockets full of stones. Well just imagine all the wailing moaning. La 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 la, la 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 la. Even Bill Blakey's boy he had to Professor O'Reilly from Millhaven High, found Neil to his door, his prize-winning terrier. The next day the old fool brought little Baiko to school, and we all had to watch as he buried her. Well, his eulogy to Baiko had all the tears flowing. La 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 la, la 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 la. Even guys little creatures, they have to die. Our little town fell into a state of shock.
2: You said true crime, and I immediately thought, this basic girl got to bring some uh, Nick Cave murder ballads in here. And it's not, like, super creative, but I was just like, murder. I used to, like, paint. My friend, like, in college would bring this to class for us to paint to. So we'd be listening to murder ballads while doing, like, still lifes and stuff, which was amazing. I love how jaunty and of course, ballady this is. It's got like kind of a twist midway through because you're like, you get introduced to a character and you realize like she's murdering people. And there's like, of course, the la-la-las. And it's just an intense song. It's sweeping. Nick Cave is attacking the lyrics, much like Lottie is attacking and murdering folks. So I thought it worked out. Also, murder ballads. I thought it, I mean, it makes sense, right? They're all stories of murder. <laughs>
1: I mean, it definitely does. I I don't know how I missed the fact that Nick Cave did a whole album of murder ballads, but definitely added to my list now. Uh, One thing that I think is especially interesting about this one is it sort of alternates between like major and minor key musically, but the vocals stay in a minor key the whole time. So there's these moments uh, like in the very first verse and I think a couple other verses where it sounds really weird and almost like the band is playing the wrong notes. But what's actually happening is the band is playing in a major key which usually signifies like happiness or celebration or something positive. Uh, But the vocals are in a minor key, which usually signifies sadness or loss or something negative. So you have the same key, except for with the major and minor notes crashing together to like make something that sounds kind of chaotic and manic sounding kind of like the stereotypical psycho killer who's like, you know, smiling this huge grin while he drives a knife into someone's (laughs) chest or whatever. Like you're getting that alarming and repulsive dichotomy when the the major and minor keys are clashing it just makes for an especially interesting character to the song
2: and i appreciate that it's a 15 year old girl just going around serial killing not normally they don't normally do that but right yeah i appreciated lottie getting some revenge murder uh, i don't know it's really good song it's probably the longest song i've ever brought i'm really proud of myself because i normally bring very short songs do i get some props
1: you get a little bit of props i usually bring pretty long songs that's why my pick didn't end up at the end of the episode uh (laughs) because it's like seven minutes long
2: well i know but it's like so sweeping it kind of like there's not even with your pick like lyrically it's very sparse but like there's a whole story throughout the music that's true our ear buddies i'm concerned about their obsession with murder (laughs) and stealing there's a lot of petty crimes going on sure um guys just cover your tracks all right
1: exactly be careful
2: yeah uh craig is our first ear buddy who brings jane's addiction been caught stealing say immediately i was like is this dave navarro it is yes i looked at dakota and i was like is this dave navarro and he's like "Oh," and i was like i think it's dave navarro so i'm really proud that i'm finally getting jane's addiction figured out um is it really this easy to steal because like do you just walk through the door with stolen items because I went stole a card from a Christian bookstore once and immediately showed it to my mother because I thought it was free and was told they weren't free. And then I had to go and apologize and like turn myself in. It was really embarrassing, especially at a Christian bookstore. <laughs> oh, and I ate a, <laughs> I ate a grape once in Kroger when I was four with my mom and pretty much got hollered at for stealing because I hadn't bought the grape. And I'm just, I wonder why I somehow ended up so neurotic about following rules after all this time. No idea.
1: Yeah, I wonder wonder what happened there. No, I wonder. Yeah, no, uh, e- even though most of our Ear Buddies will probably be uh, familiar with Jane's Addiction, especially this song, I just thought it was a, a great song to open the Ear Buddies section. Uh, first, because I didn't want the whole episode to be murder ballads as much as I would love that. Uh, I definitely want to try to bring a little bit of levity with every episode, so want to make sure we sprinkled in some minor crime in addition <laughs> to the bloody stuff. Um, I also found it fitting because of all the crimes mentioned in the songs this week, I think stealing is the only one that I've been guilty of myself. Um, I don't know if my mom still listens to the show. We're about to find out. But uh, there was a time when I used to steal a lot of books. Like I stole a bunch of books from the JCM library whenever I went to JCM. Jeez. Uh, and in my late teens, uh, a girlfriend and I used to steal books from Books A Million pretty frequently. And she just like put them in her bag or I'd like put them in my cargo pants or inside my my waistline, like held tight against me with my belt. And yeah, I was just a slick little asshole. But uh, luckily, I, I eventually grew out of that by by nineteen or twenty, but yeah, if you come over and see a book that says "Property of Jackson Central Mary High School," just mind your business.
2: Uh, think of it as a rescue mission, seeing as Jackson Central Mary High School no longer exists. That's true. Yeah, so you were really just rescuing the book, even though if you had, if you were the reason why, when I went to go check out a book, I could not find my books. I'm coming at yeah, you. Yeah, I
1: totally was, and the thing is, I I didn't realize at the time whenever I was like stealing philosophy books. <laughs> to to feed my 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 need to read about philosophy you know i was like ah whatever no one else is going to read these but there was going to be that one kid two or three mm-hmm. years down the line who was going to be looking for philosophy books in the jackson central mary high school library and they weren't going to be there because i took them and, you and know i know, they, repla-
2: <laughs> they weren't replacing them
1: yeah absolutely not so i do feel bad about that
2: if it does help now um you know my mark twain uh painting that i have yeah Yeah, technically, that's stolen property from Jackson Central Mary as well. Oh, Nice. It was supposed to go in the library is one of all of them. I'm sure they're all sitting there. But, um, you know, Mrs. Patterson had us like paint all these. But I took way too long to, you know, do all the stipling and everything. And it's still not finished. Like I've had this thing for like almost 20 years and I still haven't finished it. So it's still stolen unfinished property right <laughs> I guess I guess that's my that's my biggest art heist right there is um, yes you,
1: you've committed art thievery
2: <laughs> of my own work you're welcome right <laughs> um Jeremy is our next year buddy who brings Kinky Friedman's The Ballad of Charles Whitman
0: got up that morning calm and cool he picked up his guns and walked to school all the while he smiled so sweetly That it blew their minds completely They'd never seen an Eagle Scout so cruel Now won't you think of the shame
1: and degradation all the school's administration you put on such a bold and brassy show The chancellor cried, it's adolescent
0: And of course it's most unpleasant But i got to admit, was a lovely way to go There was a rumor about a tumor so at the base of his brain
1: He was setting up there with his 36 magnum Laughing wildly as it fagged Who are we to save boys and save?
2: Okay, Kinky Freeman is not Kinky Boots. Right. Just going to put that out there. I don't know who I thought Kinky Friedman was beforehand, but somehow I did think he was Kinky Boots. Um, this is super jaunty. No idea when this was made, because I don't do research. <laughs> I'd never heard of Charles Whitman before, and I know that, like, tumors are something that can cause aggression. I had heard of, like, the massacre uh, from a tower of the University of Texas. Didn't know any specifics, but I did look up this dude, you know, because that's the only actual research i did and i was like he didn't look too different than my dad which uh, is weird he very dad looking dude um yeah uh, amygdalas man amygdalas
1: yeah it's really interesting and and you know definitely a case that if you haven't ever read about charles whitman um uh like you said he, he shot a bunch of people from a tower in the middle of the university of texas austin i think it happened in 1966 he was only like 25 years old And I've always had this fascination with this case, not only because he was otherwise like a stand up guy, he was like an Eagle Scout and a Marine, a straight A student and everyone loved him. So it's like it's strange that it's not always so apparent when something's wrong in someone's head. But even more than that is the, the, the tumor, which they in the song, they say there's a rumor about a tumor, but indeed they did do an autopsy and they found a tumor about the size of a nickel pressing on this dude's amygdala which you know regulates your emotions and especially aggression and he himself even wrote about like increasingly painful headaches and feeling not like himself and he was experiencing like irrational thoughts and urges so in a suicide note he even requested an autopsy be done because he himself knew that something was wrong and it's such a horrific crime but like as a philosopher i'm fascinated with the, with the idea of like how much moral blame we can actually really put on this guy. Cause obviously he's a hazard to the public. And if we foresee something like that, we should do something about it. But imagine if he didn't die and we took this guy to jail, you know, suppose we found the tumor removed it. This guy's homicidal urges go away. And he's instantly back to the straight a student, wholesome Eagle scout, nicest guy in the neighborhood. How much should we ultimately punish this guy considering that he was like effectively sick at the time and had no real control of his actions. And then, that leads into the deeper debate about, like, free will versus determinism, and that's a whole, you know, another wormhole that we'll save for another episode, but it's just a very fascinating story with tons of interesting implications and complexities, and I had no idea that there was a song about it, so this is a, a great find for me.
2: Didn't House, like, have, like, a episode about, like, a murderer who had an amygdala tumor?
1: That would probably make sense.
2: yeah. I bet they, yeah. Oh, There's a whole I, bunch
1: of really, really interesting stories about, about those sorts of things that, you know, we'll, we'll have to go into that. We'll, we'll figure out a way to, to do a free will versus determinism debate in any world.
2: Yeah, I, I bet we could figure this out. There's enough philosophers in music, pretty sure. Um, Joshua T is our next ear buddy who brings Sonic Youths featuring Lydia Lunch, Death Valley 69. ostensibly about the Manson family murders this song like the overarching thing that I got from the song is that super hazy and it sounds humid like it so sounds humid like oppressively hot like you can see the heat waves it's super hypnotic which I believe like you know the Manson followers seem to be hypnotized by I, I don't know somehow Charles Manson I didn't find him that interesting but I never met him uh the choral aspect of this is super cultish like they're like singing together and kind of like call and response yet sometimes and I think that fits in thematically it's atmospheric and it's storytelling and it's just you know what Sonic Youth I don't give you enough credit for songs like this
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to have to jump on that same uh, olive branch toward toward Sonic Youth. I know a couple of years ago, whenever I joined the podcast, I think uh, I was still harboring some hot takes about Sonic Youth, but uh, through the years, after some careful exposures from some friends and some trusted confidants, I think I finally started to actually enjoy Sonic Youth, and I had no idea that they had uh, collaborated with Lydia Lunch, who is a singer and a poet and spoken word artist who got her start uh, in the late 70s, been going strong ever since. Uh, she's known for being pretty transgressive, lots of themes about feminism and self-empowerment, uh, but she gets pretty righteous and raunchy with it. Uh, she's definitely from the punk and no-wave era, so a lot of her intention is to use shock to, to get you to pay attention or to force you to confront certain things that you, know, you might otherwise try to avoid or sidestep. Um, I got to see her perform at PH. I think it was like last year or two uh, she played at the PH in Memphis and she's probably 60 years old now and still touring around and like singing over a noise punk band and reading her raunchy poetry. <laughs> um, like Joshua said the song seems to be about the, the Sharon Tate murders but other than a couple of references it's just mostly this pretty abstract jam seems to be about evoking a certain mood and like the haziness of the desert and maybe like conflating the sun and the desert as those oppressive forces uh that drive you into doing something crazy Um, i'm definitely into the experimental noise rock approach and the chaotic sort of frantic shouting that thurston moore and lydia lunch are uh you know doing it just really helps add to that disorientation and and dissociation that i think are like creating the mood that uh that, that they're trying to convey here
2: I mean, it's it's excellent. Like, in uh, pulling off-wise, they did such a good job. It's so good. Brandon is our next year buddy. He brings Sufian Stevens' John Wayne Gacy Jr.
0: He dressed up like a clown for them With his face paint white and red And on his best behavior Killed ten thousand people with the slight of his hand. Running far, running fast to the dead. He took off all their clothes for them. He put a cloth on their lips. Quiet hands, quiet kiss on them.
2: brandon says here's a light pretty song about the real life famous pedophile clown serial killer you know when you say it like that it doesn't sound nearly as terrifying brandon (laughs) it's like it's a lulling song about like a dysfunctional human and a possibly dysfunctional family and there's this implication at the very beginning that maybe getting smacked in the head with a swing set might have like you know caused this but you know i don't think so um you know, that's the whole determinism thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I don't know, The it's like a touching song, but like this m- very creepy murderous man. And I mean, we all got secrets, but like they all aren't bodies in the floorboards. Uh, dang, Sufian, I forgive you for not finishing the state project, but seriously, how did he somehow make this into like such a lovingly crafted song?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely um, just just an incredible song that i don't know how he how he melds these two moods into the singular i don't know it's just amazing i this was actually my first Sufjan Stevens song and i'll never forget my buddy eric todd playing playing it for me outside of pea soup which was a a pea soup green house where we threw a lot of house shows around 2004 2005 You, I, think, I re- Yeah
2: yeah. I lived out in the country So I would drive on that street And look over and see the Poo Soup House And I was like I know shows are happening there all the time
1: <laughs> Yeah so th- this song had like Just come out in the middle of 2005 And Eric had like me and a couple other friends Outside with him and he told us about this Beautiful quiet haunting song about John Wayne Gacy and played the track for us and it just gave me chills and I still get goosebumps listening to this one. Just so quiet and creepy that it somehow captures the horror of what he did uh, with the way that he did it kind of unbeknownst to anyone and You know, John Wayne Gacy was like a pillar of his community. He was a birthday clown and like always down to help the neighbors with whatever they needed. But all the while, he had this darkness brewing inside him, and all this horror is happening so quietly and discreetly that no one ever noticed. So somehow I think this, this haunting and more reserved manifestation of the song serves that story in a really unique way that a book can't replicate and like even a heavy metal song couldn't really replicate. It's this very unique thing that only Sufjan Stevens can, can weave together into this beautiful moment.
2: Yeah, I think that it's such a sneaky way. Like you, you kind of like, the way he does it, like you get like these like touching feels, but you're like the horror It's like, I don't know, maybe that's how John Wayne Gacy felt, but he was a psychopath, so I don't know if he actually felt like that. I I think it was very self-centered, what he did. I don't know. Dude, you know more about what a psychopath is than I do. What is a psychopath?
1: (laughs) I mean, we can get into it, but, I mean, the the definition is someone who doesn't experience emotions. They don't experience empathy in the same way that we do.
0: Hmm, okay. uh,
1: Yeah, there's a lot of interesting books about it. Well, maybe we can come up with a... (laughs) A, a psycho episode. We'll fi- we'll figure this out. Send us some <laughs> well, ideas here, buddies.
2: We need to be making the list right now. Um Lauren is our next year buddy and she brings dead Kennedys, stealing people's mail.
0: we and fancy chats. 50, The battle the way crazy. taking all alone the of the battle of Roll on the floor And we got the the battle of the the battle of the
2: of stealing mail okay so i I, like i did start throwing away the previous tenants mail because they just would not get it forwarded like technically it's stealing yes i understand like we had multiple conversations with these folks about come on can you like get your mail forwarded and i had to keep calling them and then they wouldn't pick up their mail and i was just like fuck it i'm throwing your mail away i don't care duh i can't keep calling people about their mail i told them about the problem also, anyway, like, with the Postmaster General wreaking general havoc on the whole system and, like, a ploy to limit voting by mail, um, steal his mail, specifically. Can you steal <laughs> the Postmaster General's mail? Because, just saying, he would probably get bummed.
1: It would probably be qu- quite a devastating blow to the Postmaster himself. He's supposed yes. to be the master of the Post. And now but the Post I will is say working this against is- him.
2: This is a good punk song. I forgot to talk about the actual song. (laughs) Right.
1: It is very good. Uh, So, yeah, taking us back out of the more serious and brutal crime and back into slightly more innocuous crime. uh, We have the Dead Kennedys thinking about stealing people's mail. Uh, on one hand, like you aren't really harming people by stealing their mail, but you definitely cause people to like miss important correspondence or like forget to pay certain bills or like miss checks or payments that are being sent to them. But, and then on top of that, it's sort of an intrusive crime for like being so tame on the face of it. So it's kind of like unsettling to know someone has your name and address and possibly other important personal information or like pictures of your family, credit card info, all that kind of stuff, you know, what you spend your money on. So like stealing someone's mail is totally one of those things that just seems silly when you first think about it, but it's actually a pretty diabolical thing to do. And you know, also one of the easiest ways to catch a felony. So, uh, be careful I, stealing mail.
2: I'm just saying I've talked to the previous tenants. I'm just saying they know about the mail situation. <laughs> just saying, don't turn me in y'all please. We're friends. We're buddies. We're ear buddies. um, Will is our last year buddy and he brings Masked Intruder Crime Spree.
0: about the romantic gesture
2: of offering to commit a series of crimes with another person look i love a little romantic crime spring together it's like it's kind of it's it's a very good meat cute you know it is like a little tiny little minor crimes (laughs) um I love that this band color coordinated their ski mask with their instruments and their shoes. And it's just, it feels very early two thousands and it just makes crime seem so fun. You know, I straight up love the poppiness of this and I'm pretty sure that you will tell me if this is pop punk or not.
1: Yeah, it's definitely pop punk. This totally counts yes. as pop punk. Yeah. yeah. So I, I figured what better way to close out the ear Buddies section than uh, with a band whose entire gimmick is based around mm-hmm. doing crime and like, of their musical catalog is about doing crime or being a criminal. Uh, So if you're not familiar with Masked Intruder, uh, they all hide their true identities. They wear these color-coded ski masks and shoes. So you've got Intruder Blue, Intruder Red, Intruder Green, Intruder Purple. And uh, sticking to their gimmick, when their last bass player left, he was Intruder Yellow. Uh, The canon reason that the band gives for him being gone is that Intruder Yellow got busted and went back to jail. So... Uh, musically they share some like poppy sensibilities with bands like no effects and they're in fact signed onto fat records which is fat mike from no effects uh record label and so even though they filter everything through the crime thing a lot of their songs are about love and girls so this song is as will said is about trying to run away together but instead of running away and eloping and like traveling around the world or you know whatever fantastical shit happens in the movies uh they want to run away and steal cigarettes and beers and hot-wire a car and uh, you know, find some guns and go on a crime spree together, which I think is kind of romantic in its own way. And, you know, while I can't advocate committing crimes as a viable date activity, <laughs> I'll remind you that I did use to shoplift with one of my girlfriends, and I think it brought us together. So maybe I'm not the best judge of uh, advice here, you know.
2: Was it the crime or was it the books?
1: I mean, to be honest, it was totally the books. I mean, I just I, I had to have more books, and I didn't have much money. And so, uh, a crew book- of books
2: was this before or after you worked at books a million
1: this was before i worked at books (laughs) a million and then i had friends that worked at books a million and they basically told me that uh you know at the time they didn't have any sort of security tags in the books or anything that would go off when you walked out the door and they had cameras but they're basically only checked if something crazy goes wrong no one's like monitoring the cameras so i was like all right well give me these books
2: i'm I'm just gonna point out I never gave you your crime tips
1: okay you did not but <laughs> some of your co workers may or may not have I already know I'm not who advocating it was. stealing books from <laughs> books a million but I'm just saying if you're gonna steal from a corporation who gets their money back at the end of the year and the taxes and
2: and the book cards right yeah so stupid cards
1: don't yeah. at me or or at me <laughs> do what you want I don't care
2: i I'll forgive you for your like over a decade old crime i think Please. the um what is it the what is the the time limit was that thing called
1: the statute of limitations
2: i think the statute of limitations is over for your your mass market book collection yeah i appreciate it yeah you're welcome that eight bucks wasn't i appreciate that your, your
1: your legal ruling <laughs> on this case oh god Anybody, no tweet? i don't know
2: any any laws
1: you sorry can man tweet tweet adam at madam woolite with all of your
2: oh and and tweet at um pow i got you for all of your uh your finger wagging
0: right
2: there you go <laughs> the the show is at end pod on the twitters we're not criminals i promise we are not a crook um our facebook group is earbuds and Ear- i can't talk uh our facebook group is earbuds and earworms podcast and you can uh oh wait and you can always call us (laughs) leave voicemail
1: Mm -hmm. the the number for that is 731-400-BUDS or
2: 731-400-2837 you can email a show endpod at gmail.com and you can try to sort through the mess that is endpod.com part of the ten seven ten network which may or may not work i'm working on it and let's just hope this like episode uploads appropriately also thank you for kayla and everybody who like pointed out that the show only uploaded 11 minutes last week because that that was a rigmarole and i totally appreciated that immediate feedback what's our final song this
1: week so uh since it was jenny's theme we're going to give the final pick to jenny and she brought the legendary shack shakers and their song blood on the bluegrass uh she said this jaunty ass tune is about rod Farrell from murray kentucky who convinced himself and others that he was a 500 year old vampire Hmm. And so, yeah, I don't want to gild the lily too much here, but I did want to add uh, that I remember this case from whenever I was a kid because I was getting into Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons as a kid. And the main hub in Jackson for those sorts of games was a place called Game Escape. And of course, like religious groups had been dogging D&D for for being satanic for years at that point. And so there was another popular RPG (laughs) called Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, which of course Christians chided as being satanic too. So because people would play D and D and vampire, the masquerade at game escape, my mom would never let me go there. Cause she thought it was just a hangout for devil worshipers. And so after like six months of begging and arguing, right when I finally had her convinced that it was just like a bunch of nerds rolling dice or whatever, this news story comes out <laughs> about this guy who played vampire, the masquerade and then took his character way too seriously. And like actually started hurting folks And, like, just like that, my mom never let me go anywhere near Game Escape ever again, all because of this asshole. So, uh, yeah. So, thanks again to Jenny for the excellent theme this week. And we'll leave you with her pick, The Legendary Shack Shakers, and their song, Blood on the Bluegrass.
0: to deliver a series of presents throughout the world. Like, is that even possible? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I should mention that David works for UPS, which would be in direct competition with Chris.